0: Uh, few people uh, gave me such a good introduction, and uh, few people are so dear to my heart so uh, i didn 't expect that, so <laughs> i 'm like emotional a little bit right now so but it 's a gr- great pleasure to be with you guys because uh, at the end of two thousand and seventeen, uh, I first met uh, Josh Esteban and joel Joel right and uh, from that time. God has changed a lot of plans in my life. And as I was thinking, what should I preach here when I will be in the States? I couldn't... Um, uh, this this thought was in my mind all the time. God has changed so much in my life, in my planning. And this reminded me of a sermon from James. Uh, we'll be in James this morning, James uh, chapter 4. Because in the time of COVID, our church, we went through Epistle of James. Because we needed wisdom at that time, especially. And, um, yeah, all the time when I was thinking about the sermon, was like, I think I have to preach about that. So to, to, today we are in James four thirteen to 17, and the title is How to Actually Live According to God's Will. And please give me a uh, little bit of grace, because I'm preaching in a foreign language. And um, if something sounds strange, in Croatia it sounds good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I have an example. Um, uh, when I when in Fort Wayne, I was preaching and uh, I, at one point I didn't uh, realize I was saying Jacob. Because you guys actually changed his name to James. In Greek and in Croatia is Jacob. So it's not my fault. So if I say uh, Jacob, I'm talking about the same person, okay? So how to th- actually live according to God's will? Uh, To do that, we would uh, first need to understand what is God's will. And I would say it like this. God's word is God's law. God's law is God's will. And God's will is God's word. God's word is always God's will. God's law is always God's will and His word. Those three things are the same thing because they communicate the same thing and lead us to the same thing eventually. Of course, there are those ceremonial and religious laws that were valid for Israel until Christ. But we can easily distinguish them if we uh, study the Bible. But let us first take a a few verses to see some synonyms for God's will. I think we have those, uh, yes, verses on the screen. Psalm 40 verse 8 says, I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. So God's will is written in God's law. This is that connection. Psalm 119.16 says, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Verse 24, 35, 47 of the same psalm says, Your testimonies are my delight. You are, They are my counselors. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. For I found my delight in your commandments in which I love. In in Croatia, some people uh, would like to say many times, uh, we are not under the law, we can be free and sometimes they use this as their excuse. But, Because Christ fulfilled our love as the law, as we sang, it is done. Christ did it for us because we couldn't, and we are saved. And now, when we are saved by grace alone, now we can delight in His word because everything in His word is brings good to our life. And I, I want to ask myself sometimes: Do I really delight in God's word? So. I think that uh, we should discover together what is James saying about how to live according to God's will. So James four thirteen to 17 says, uh, Come now, uh, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, "If the Lord wills, we will live and uh, do this or that." As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. Uh, here's some little bit of context. Uh, from the first chapter, we know that James is writing primarily to Jewish Christians in diaspora, so outside of the homeland, their homeland and uh, this example that he gives is the most common thing that were happening to, uh, back then because uh, in ancient times but also today i think jewish were jewish people were very good, good mer- merchants they said right merchants and uh, what would happen, whenever a new city or a market was founded, Jews, would wel- Jews were welcomed because their voice went before them. You know, they, they knew that they would bring business with them. And this was like, a lot of people were, were thinking like that. Like, verse teen, 13. Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. And that's a good job. There is absolutely nothing wrong with doing good business. In fact, I would prefer if we all were successful in our jobs. Because earning money is a good thing. And James does not criticize earning money. He will have to say something about the priorities. This translation says, come now. But actually, in Greek, it means like, listen to me now. Listen to me, James is saying to them, all of you who plan again and again without asking God, what does he think about those plans in your life, those major important things? He's not talking about what shall we have for lunch or which vacation we will go. He's saying about the direction of their life. And he he says to them, you say that you believe in Jesus Christ, that he has the last word in your life that he controls everything, but yet you go and you just make such important plans in your life without asking him. Like, he does not exist. That was their problem. This is the context from James. I would say, like, to ignore God's will as if God does not exist, does not rule, and has nothing to say is folly, and it's an insult to God. Because the problem is this was their plan A. And uh, why is that a sin or an insult, offense to God? Because it ignores God's rule, authority, importance, will, impact. And most importantly, this is the way how this world makes their plans. And Satan makes his plans. Isaiah 14, 13 to 15 tells us how Satan planned. He says, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the highest of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. Five times he says, I will, I will lift up, sit down, ascend, I will be. He planned all of that without the creator's will in the center. And he completely ignored the purpose for which God has um, created him. So what was his result? But you were brought down to shell. So, all our plans, as I said, like not just what we will have for lunch, important things in our life. If we make our plans without knowing and without putting God's will in the center, all of that will eventually end up in destruction or lead us into sin. They will disappear, if not sooner than when we die. Because Christ is coming back, and this is a reality. And He will bring a new earth, a a new heaven. And if I... Direct my life a part of that, I will lose it in vain. So don't plan like Satan in this world without asking God what do you really have to say about what I really want in my life. And interestingly enough, Jake James, not Jacob or Jacob, is choosing their five I will expressions. Uh, today or tomorrow, I will go. Without asking God, they themselves always chose the day and time. Today or tomorrow, we will go into such a such town. Without asking God, they themselves always choose the city, the place, and spend day or year. Without asking God, they were always choosing how long, like duration and trade. Without asking God, they themselves always chose what will they do? And spend there a year and make a profit. Without asking God, they'll, they always determined what is success, what is goal. Success is not what I say. Success is what God says is success. And Jacob says, you come to the church, you, you, you claim that you're children of God, that you lo- love Christ. He's the most important thing. And yet, you just run your life the way you want and then it's like my kids i have two children sometimes they have everything planned and they just come to inform me like this is what it will happen it's already like settled it's done so we just want to inform you but things do not go like that and how many times have i planned exactly like that in my life I just came to inform God and like because because I say in Jesus' name I have good plans. I do not plan sin. I have good plans and I say your will be done. Actually, what I really wanted is fulfill my will, because this is what I want. My will be done in heaven, God. So I found myself many times planning my life, the, the course of my life in that direction. And Jacob is, James is saying, why do you speak or, or consider any plan to be good if there is no will of the good one in the center? Eventually, that will be selfish, temporary human plan because it will bring me to stumble somewhere. First of all, it's foolishness to ignore God's will and His plan as if God does not exist. And the second reason why it's madness to plan without God in the very center is the fact that you and I, we are very, very fragile. This is verse 14. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. All our plans that don't have God's will in the center are null and void because we are very, very short time on this earth. And as I said, ignoring God's will is crazy in itself, but it's even crazier because we are too small, too weak. We do not control anything. And we have, and in the physical death, of course, we will be with Christ. We we know that, but... Life that we spend here has to end in death or Christ will come before. Job 7.9 says, As the cloud fades and vanishes, so he who goes down to shell does not come up. Job 7.6 says, My days are swifter than weaver's shuttle and come to their end without hope. This is like that on sewing machine that that goes fast up and down. Like uh, Job is saying, my days are faster than that. Job 8, 9 says, For we are but of yesterday and know nothing, for our days on earth are a shadow. So in many places, in Psalm, Psalms and Job, God speaks the same truth. You are for on this earth for a very short time. You do not control anything. You are fragile. And it is crazy to live according to your own will because it is the same like us. My will, my plan is the same like I am short, without guarantee, fragile, and imperfect. In my will, everything is ultimately in vain because then we finally die. It is madness to plan our life outside of the plan and will of the eternal God. God is almighty, I'm not. He is all knowing, I'm limited. God is perfectly holy, just, infallible, good, wise. And I am completely the opposite. That's why we need new heart, a new mind, new desires, new character that we receive when we become saved. And this is very important. Only when we become saved, we can have real peace. Because we follow God who knows what tomorrow brings and has tomorrow in His hands. You and I, we don't know if we will come alive today to our homes. We cannot control people, circumstances. We cannot control our health. We control nothing. We are completely helpless in that regard. So what you and I have actually are just an assumptions. And when you plan without God's will at the center, you put everything on a line because of an assumption. That's madness. We don't know what tomorrow can bring. We don't know what today will bring. I did that for a very long time. Can we see how crazy it is to, to, to set our lives because of an assumption? It is madness to not consider the one who who controls life and death, who holds the keys to the death and underworld, and who knows what will happen. Who knows beginning uh, and the end at the same time? Maybe that's why Moses wrote in Psalm 19: "Teach us how to number our days, so we can get a heart of wisdom." And that means we plan, of course. I need to plan. But with open hands, like God, you know everything. You see everything from your divine perspective. Here is what I have planned. But come, Lord, and take away and add whatever you think is the best. Proverbs 16 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I'm not the master of my life, I'm just a steward. I will have to give an account. For my life. So my complete ignorance of my future, your complete powerlessness and my to control anything should make us stop and realize my life is so short, so fragile, that I will surely spend it in vain if I live outside of concrete will of God for my life. Like 10 out of 10. I will surely do that. And I did that. Because God's concrete will... For our life, I believe it's like sandwiched uh, in between God's moral will and God's sovereign will. The more we love and follow God's moral will on daily to daily basis, like not to be saved because we are saved, we now enjoy in God's law because it, it is done. I can fail and I can stand up and have because I am forgiven, and now I love His His His. Moral will. It's easier for God to uh, direct me left or right. I will not cheat in my taxes. I will not lie. And it's like God is directing me uh, easier. And the more I focus my direction of my life to the sovereign will of God, Christ is coming back. He has sent us into this world. The more I align my life, direction of my life with this, the more... the. Easier for me is to know my purpose in this life. And life in God's will is the safest life. It's not life without pain or discomfort or momentary failures, but it's life in which you have a firm hope that God is watching over every your step and He is directing you. With that perspective and understanding, I think we we should look at Joshua 1.8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will uh, have a good success. Success and progress is not what I say, but what God says. In my life, I thought that something was success. I was very successful. And then I had nothing. And God showed me that both is vanity without Him. Both is meaningless. So God's success will never become a failure. My success became a failure. You and I, we only really have assumptions. But God has the details. And the future in His hands. So let us look at our lives this morning. How long have you been living? How long do you know Christ? How long or how many plans have you planned without Him? How many good plans have I planned without the will of the good one in the center? Now James gives us the answer. He, he, he gives us a principle verse 15 he says you should plan like this instead you ought to say if the lord wills we will live and do this or that this is a principle for our life and we can see the same thing in paul's life first corinthians sixteen seven. we can see how paul was making his plans he says for i do not want to see you just in passing i have a plan i want to come and visit you and be with you guys I hope to spend some time with you. But if the Lord permits, if in any way God will start changing those plans or stopping, I will not come. In fact, Paul, Paul's life, Paul's plan, desire, was so much Christ that he could easily distinguish. In one place he says, the uh, Holy Spirit, agree, we, our spirit agreed with the Holy Spirit. I'm translating in my head. And we both said it's good. So he was so much Christ that he could do that. That's possible. So if you plan your life in such a way that you always take into account God's moral will because it's good for us and what God expects and align your life with God's sovereignty, sovereign will, you will go, you will be directed by by his perfect will. And I believe that God's sovereignty is a miracle greater than any miracle because God can allow anyone to plan whatever they want and not to change that. And in the end, he will still have his will done. So that's why we don't have to be afraid. At the end, it will all work out for our eternal good. It might be painful here, But it's working for our eternal good. And then we make less mistakes and less less sins because we are not so angry because our plans didn't work. My pastor friend and I were joking the other day. We were saying, that's not a sin. That's a stupidity. But stupidity often leads to sin. And all my plans... Again, major plans, focus, direction, relationships, jobs of my life. When I planned without God, I stumbled somewhere. I stumbled anyway, anyhow, but I was mad. I had, my future was in my hands. It's really not. So how do you make your plans? Whom do you ask for advice? Do you plan it with an open Bible in front of you? Because when we plan without knowing God's moral and sovereign will, we can brag about that. In Croatia, people would say, "Those ten fingers, you know, I did it. No one gave it to me. Those ten fingers." And that's exactly what we do with when we plan without God in the center. This is verse, uh, verse 16. We are blinded in bragging. It says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. James tells them, look, first you make plans without God and his will. Then you don't see the downfall in the fact that you don't control anything. You don't know the future. Then you go and brag about it. I will do this. Those are my plans. He says, that's evil. Proverbs, Proverbs 27, 1 says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Any such unreasonable planning and boasting is evil before of God. This is the evil that Satan did. <clears throat> he decided to go through life independent of God. Spiritually blind are those who walk through life independent of God. Like God is not in control. And those who see spiritually... Are those who walk through life dependent on Christ because they know that He is in control, He is at His throne, and He is coming back? It is crucial to keep walking in the right path, not to have some special favor, not to be accepted, but because I am accepted because of what Christ did. Because To do sin, it's not like uh, I do not sin only when I don't, when I do what I know I shouldn't be doing. I also sin when I don't do what I know that I should be doing. Verse 17 says that. So whoever knows the right thing to do, and they knew it, they know the Word of God and everything, how to plan, how to live, but they didn't plan and live like that. And he says, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is a sin. And this is really bad because James is writing to the people in church who know God's will but still sometimes choose to ignore it. And this is especially painful because we all know how it is and how it ended in our lives. Right? So not doing what you know is God's will, whether moral or sovereign, means eventually it will lead me to sin somewhere. But I don't have to plan my life like that. Because sin is, I would say, simply acting, thinking, wanting, speaking, contrary to the way of creator of everything would act, want, speak, or think. But for us who have become saved... God will bring us back by his discipline and that's a good thing. God's discipline is evidence of his love for his children. Hebrews 12:6 to 8 says for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chast this is hard word. chastises. chastises every son who, whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. If the Lord disciplines you, it means that you belong to Christ and you are in good company with his church. In fact, listen to me very carefully. If you are saved and you belong to Christ, he will destroy some of your sources of security, some of your plans to show you that all security lies only in his plan. We can see this in God's interaction with Israel. Jeremiah 2.14, God is talking to Israel specifically. He's saying, My people have committed two evils. First, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for, for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. God destroyed so many cisterns in my life just to show me He is enough. He is enough in riches. He is enough in poverty. Of course, this applies only to His children. For other people, God will call them to Himself like allowing... uh, Wars, earthquakes, tragedies, disasters, crimes, illness, disappointments. So they could turn their eyes to heaven and say, Have mercy on me, save me. I cannot control this. If you are there, save me. But for his children, God will intentionally destroy some of their plans and securities. So we could realize All of this is just in Jesus Christ. So, this morning, is God crushing some of your plans or dreams? Maybe desires? If so, are you maybe stubbornly stubbornly pursuing what you know? It's not really in accordance with God's moral or sovereign will. God will continue to oppose that. Not to destroy you, to bring you back. That's why humble yourself. Go to the Father and He will res- restore the joy of your salvation. In His hands are riches forevermore. We should ab- abandon our securities because God will give whatever is necessary to the realization of the plan to one who plans like this. Matthew six thirty-three, But seek first the kingdom of God, His sovereign will, His coming back, He's, he's restoring everything. And His righteousness, His moral will. And all these things will be added to you. Everything what you need for realization, the plan, I want to see God's moral and God's sovereign will fulfilled. Everything what you plan for that, God will give it to you. God will allow you to have. If this is a deep desire of your heart. And We don't have to be panicked when we plan God's moral and sovereign will. Because He holds the future. If you need, if to fulfill that you need a spouse, a house, a car, this job or something, God will allow that. But if you don't need all of those things, and I can find it that in Croatia we don't need all of those things. God will teach you, it is good of my soul to be found in you. You gave me eternal life. You gave yourself for me. What more could I possibly receive? Little bit more and I will look you face to face. So I don't need all those things that I think I need. I need Christ. If God's promises is found in His Word, it means that it's His will. Do we even know how many promises for godliness we have? Like when God says, if you seek me, you will find me. The problem is not that I cannot comprehend or understand those promises. The, promise, the problem is not that they are too difficult or too radical. The problem is that often I don't want those things. I want different things. There is no God in my planning, but God has bigger plans, holy plans, to conform me to the image of His Son and to use me for His glory. God has never given me a reason to doubt His character or word. So we don't need to learn something new so we could start walking in that. We just need to start walking in the things that we already know. And abandon some securities or systems that we have dig dig out for ourselves. And the most frightening thing is when God allows you to have the desires of your heart without Him crushing them. Because that means that probably it's a matter of salvation. Maybe this is the first thing you have to work on. And if we are asking ourselves... What, from the Bible, what does God really want for us? Three things. God's will is for you to be saved. 1 Timothy 2 says, God wants that all people would come to the knowledge of truth and to salvation. In John 6, Jesus says, This is the will of the Father, that I will save and not lose anyone who he gives me. Second thing is God wants for you to be fulfilled with Holy Spirit. We know that we are uh, uh, stamped, marked. We have a Holy Spirit. What is the word? Sealed, yes. But we are called to be fulfilled with the Holy Spirit every day. In Ephesians 5 it says, this is the will of God that you would would, uh, fulfill yourself with Holy Spirit. And that Third thing is 1 Thessalonians 4. It says this is the will of God, your sanctification. So those are the three things that are clearly said in the Word of God. If you belong to Christ, He will certainly destroy some of your plans and dreams so that you would see Him as a pinnacle of your life and include Him in everything. Because look at Peter. Jesus said... They will crucify me. I will die. He says, I have a plan. If everyone abandons you, I will go with, with you unto death. So it was crucial to break. I will. So God could work. That's why he denied Jesus three times and broke him terribly. Only for Jesus to show him, look how fragile and helpless you are without me. There is no I will, but if Lord wills, then it will be. Only then Peter was strong. And if you read the Acts, we are right now in the Acts, and you read First and Second of Peter, you can really see that he knows what he's talking about. He has experienced that. Christ is in control, not you and me. Do not fight and strive to live for your own plans, because if God didn't intend something for me, why would I strive to get it? That, that will not be a blessing for me. It will be a curse. It will be too heavy. It will take my eyes of Christ. I do not want to strive to have something that's not intend, intended for me from Christ. So your and my problem is not that we don't know enough. It's not that we don't have the key skills. Your and my problem is that sometimes we are too strong. Too much of me and too little of God. So how will you plan your life from now on? How to actually live according to God's will? Place God's moral and sovereign will at the center of of your planning. And don't make plans without God's will at the center, the big plans for your life and direction of your life. Father, I am so thankful that you allowed me to be here. You, your mighty hand has joined our lives together. This is my spiritual family. This is my church family. You're taking care of us and through them. And I had so many plans with whom I could destroy that. Thank you for stopping me Thank you for destroying all those securities. And I pray, Father, that some of those things, if they didn't happen here, that they would happen, that you would destroy securities. And sisters, that if someone here has built in his life and it's not founded in your word, that you would show this mercy, that your gentle hand will press And show that this is wrong. And then you would restore us. You would show us your blessings. Your presence. Thank you for the hardships because those hardships are shortcut to you. Father, I pray pray that we will continue to work for your glory. That you would be in the center of everything that we are doing. Thank you for this wonderful church and allowing me to be part of their lives. Amen.